Let me ask the children particularly, but the adults can, can uh, pay attention and listen too. But children especially, I have a question for you. Do you remember the story? We especially talked about this a couple of months ago. And the disciples had been waiting in Jerusalem because after Jesus had died on the cross and was buried and then he was raised from the dead, his, after his resurrection... He gave instructions to the disciples. He said, I'm sending, I am sending what my father promised, so stay here. And you will be clothed with power from on high. And so they waited. These disciples did. And they prayed. These disciples did. And they, they talked, these disciples did, and they ate, these disciples did, and, and they prayed some more, and they talked some more, and they waited. It's not always easy to wait, is it? Now, especially children, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever asked your mother or your daddy, are we there yet? Have you ever asked that question if you were traveling in the car? I have a feeling you did because I, I did that when I was little, I know. And you wonder if you'll ever get there, even if you're going on a short journey. Sometimes it seems like you have to wait so long. And these disciples were waiting. And even though it really wasn't that many days that they were waiting, it seemed like a long time because they didn't know what they were waiting on even. Jesus had said, just wait, just wait. And guess what? Finally, the Holy Spirit came. And the scripture makes it clear that it was like this rush, this mighty rush of wind that swept into the room. And there were flickers of flame that were dancing near the heads of these disciples. And it was an exciting moment. Some people have called it the birthday of the church. This birthday where the church really began to be. They were filled with power because you know what they did? They were so filled with power that they went outside and they began to tell all the people that were in the streets of Jerusalem, they began to tell them the story that they were understanding and a part of about Jesus they began to tell them about Jesus and how he was present in their lives Peter most of all he started preaching and Lord help him he had to preach and preach but the power of the Spirit was in him and it says in the Bible that 3,000 people listen to that 3,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus that day and they were baptized and they received themselves. They received the Holy Spirit. They felt the rush of the mighty wind. They knew that something special was happening and they joined the fellowship of the church. Can you imagine 3,000 people joining the fellowship of the church? Now, when, when Luke wrote this story, 
he used a different word instead of fellowship. It is a Greek word. Jesus would have known the Greek language. He spoke in Aramaic. He studied in Hebrew, but he would have also known some Greek. And he may have even used this word, but here Luke is telling about what is happening. And he uses the word koinonia. Now, this is an interesting word. It reminds me of that TV commercial. I don't know if you've seen that where, where the, uh, the adults are gathered around and there is a word that is before them and they're being asked to pronounce that word and they come up with all kinds of pronunciations for quinoa, this, this grain that's been around for, forever, but they don't know how to pronounce it by the spelling that's there. And so I want you to practice this. Will the children say this word with me? Now, children, I know that you may not be able to read yet, but you can hear, can't you? And so I want you to say koinonia. Can I hear you say koinonia? I heard a whisper. I need it louder than that. All right, children, say it again. Koinonia. Okay, let me ask this. Who wants to holler that word? I, I do. Would you holler it with me? Let's say it together. Here we go. Koinonia. Now let's get all of the adults and everybody to holler that word. Oh, good. I heard it. Koinonia. Does, that's great. Now, does, do, are there any, is there a child that wants to holler this out by themselves? Anybody want to do that? No takers. That just happened to happen just a little bit ago. Oh, I heard it again. This is wonderful. This is a very, very special word. They were gathered together. They were trying to listen to the apostles. These disciples were. They were trying to learn all of all that they could about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus and what he had shared with the church. They were gathered in the fellowship of that place. And it says in the scripture that they were gathered in the breaking of bread. And that has two meanings for us. This morning, we are going to gather in the breaking of bread for Holy Communion, doesn't it? But how many of you are looking forward to a hamburger or a hot dog after church? I am. A picnic is a wonderful thing, and it's a great thing. We've got tables set up for it outside. What a wonderful time we'll have around the table. And this is what the disciples did. They shared meals together. What a wonderful thing to think about. One other statement is made in the scripture about what was going on. They had all things, they shared all things in common. Have you ever had something that your mother or daddy told you to share with your brother or sister? I bet you have had that before. It may have been a special toy that you had gotten and you heard the words from your parents say, okay, it's time to share. And you did not want to let go of the toy to share it, even for a little while, but finally, you relinquished and you gave that toy in order that it could be enjoyed by someone else. But you wanted it back, didn't you? And you got it back because it was your toy to begin with. And you gave it to share for just a little while. 
It's strange when somebody else takes something that you want. I went to a church sale one day. All kinds of things were there. And I found an album that I wanted. It was by the Allman Brothers called Eat a Peach. And when I found it, I thought to myself, I don't have this one. And I really, really want it. And so I picked it up and I had it under my arm and I was walking to pay for it. And the fellow that had put it there said, what did you find? And I said, I found an Allman Brothers album that I've always wanted. And he said, yeah, he said, I think I've decided I'm not going to sell that. I said, what? He said, yeah, I think I don't want to sell that. And I handed it over to him, and I'll never forgive him for it. <laughs> he took what I thought was mine. On the playground, I can remember that we used to use the words Indian giver. Now, that is the most offensive thing that could ever be said, and politically incorrect in so many ways because it is simply untrue about these natives that were here in our country. It's a misunderstanding of what goes on because these were very generous people. In fact, their potlatches and giveaways were so astounding that those natives that were up in Canada were asked to discontinue what they considered to be appropriate gifts in their community. You'll have to read about that to discover more. But what I am trying to say to you is that koinonia means sharing and taking care of those who are in need. Nothing is really owned by anyone because Everything was everybody's. Now, I'm not sure how long this lasted. I have a feeling that it wasn't very long because you and I know this is not the way the world works. But I tell you, this is the way that koinonia works. The most important thing to know about this is that they really loved each other. They were really connected with each other. Do you know that song? Do you know that song, Jesus loved the little children, all the children of the world, red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loved the little children of the world. I spoke with my father recently. He lives in Macon, Georgia, and he was remembering back to the early 1960s. There was a church there in town that had been it was a large church, and it had been very instrumental in sending missionaries and sending a lot of money to Africa to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And lo and behold, one day in the early 1960s, there was a fellow that came from the church that that church had planted in Africa that came from the church in Africa and just showed up on the doorsteps of that church on a Sunday morning. And when he sought to enter the sanctuary, guess what happened? The ushers said, you can't come in here. 
And he said, what? They said, you can't come in here. You'll have to find another place to go to worship God. And so he did just that. And fortunately, there was another church just down the street that when he showed up, they said, for sure, come on in. Because you're one of us. And we want you here. But can you imagine the church making decisions about excluding someone? These people in the early church weren't just sharing. They were closing the gap that separated them from anybody. It was powerful. What would that be like today if that were going on? Not too far from here, some Christians tried to share everything and to close the gap. I don't know if you've ever been down to America's Georgia, but there is a place there that is actually called Koinonia Farm. And there in that community, they planted gardens and they planted row crops and they cared for each other. Everything they had was held in common. A few people still live there. And if you go there to visit, they try to remind you that Jesus was at the center of it all. In fact, one man rewrote the scripture so that he told the story of Jesus as if he lived in Georgia. Is called the cotton patch version. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? That Jesus would live in Georgia. There was another man who was a part of that community that's called Koinonia, who was so upset that people in his community there in America lived in shacks. Not everybody. But some people lived in houses where you could see the floor, see the ground through the floor and see the sky through the roof. They lived in shacks. And he committed himself to work to provide better housing. It's an interesting thing when people come together and pray and talk and pray and eat, and talk, and pray. I tell you, when that happens, God helps to make other things happen as well. In fact, this is the way that we really, truly become church. Imagine what it was like long ago around the table. The mothers and the daddies, the aunts and the uncles, the grandparents that were there, but also the children and everyone was sharing. It was a dangerous thing. And fear and awe came upon every soul. When people get together on account of Jesus, there is no telling what God might do. I can tell you one thing for sure. 
that Jesus really helps us to love each other. I'm not talking about just a little bit of love. I'm talking about a love that is deep and wide as another song goes. There is an expectation in the heart of a number of people I do not doubt in this sanctuary for the beginning of Georgia Southern football season. Shortly, the stadium across the street will fill up with people. And one of the most exciting things that goes on there in that stadium is the chant. And the chant is, whose house? Does anybody here know that? <laughs> I've started something I knew I would. <laughs> whose house? And, and it is just amazing how that echoes in that stadium. But let me tell you that for people of the koinonia, that chant, and you know it, is really whose house? God's house. Right? Which changes everything. But that's exactly right. I'm glad we got somebody listening out there. <laughs> Whose house? Exactly. God's house. God is with us, but God wants us to keep his house in the way that he intended. We are the fellowship. We are the koinonia. We are the church. Whenever we are together, God is with us. And whenever God is present, well, you never know what might happen. 